0: We are going to start today by reading the scriptures for for the Advent. We're going to start with our gospel reading, which is Mark 1, 1 through 8, and then I'm going to go right into the Isaiah passage, and I'm going to read that. And um, they did it. Can you guys, yeah, looks good, looks good. Okay, so a few students, this is your tired time of year, are yawning, so I promise I won't put you to sleep. Just kidding, I can't promise. All right. Mark 1. But thank you for coming even in the midst of your busy time of year. I pray that God speaks to you and touches you and you uh, hear from God today. All right, Mark 1, 1 through 8. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. The beginning of the, not in the beginning. This is how I've been reading it, in the beginning. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See? See? I am sending my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to read the passage that he's quoting. to See where he's getting it from. Isaiah 40. This is a beautiful passage. It's so beautiful. 41 through, I'm going to read all the way to 1 through 11. So listen to this. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, and the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. God, be with us today as we unpack the scripture, as I share the things that you placed in my mind and heart as I sat with you and meditated on your word. I pray that it will touch people today. Amen. Amen. So the church calendar has an ABC. So there's different scriptures that you go through three times. And the last time we came to this scripture, I was thinking about it on peace, was right before COVID. It was the December right before COVID. And I was thinking... I have learned a lot about peace since that time. Like the same scripture, the same place, but I have learned a lot and I am not the same person. And the beautiful thing about the church coming to these things over and over again is each time you come, kind of like Jamie said, you're not the same. The world is not the same. What God is doing you to in you and through you is not the same. And so as I come to this passage that as I've been getting older and older, you come to it over and over again, the Holy Spirit still will have something different for you today as we come. So we'll begin in the Mark passage. Mark, we're going to kind of land there and then move over to Isaiah. Mark 1, 1 through 8. And it begins with, this caught my eye, the beginning of the good news. I love a story. Who loves a story that says in the beginning? I tell stories to my kids. They love, make up a story. Tell us a story. When we go camping or in the car and we're in there for hours, and even mom, make up a story. And I always like to start in the beginning. So this is the beginning of Jesus. Mark is saying, in the beginning. Um, We were talking about, last week was hope. So hope is in the future. Hope is something you're kind of hold on to and you're kind of leaning into and it's in the future. And we talk a lot about the next coming of Jesus. We're hopeful. But peace is something you need right here in the moment. It's not a lot of good for me if it's way out in the future. I want peace right now. And so we talk about the first coming of Jesus, which is the baby, which is not really what we're celebrating because he's already come. And we're not really talking about his second coming way out there. But actually, here we're talking about Jesus, the mystery of how Jesus comes to you right now, today, and each day. So that's like the third coming, and that's the peace. So we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to move into how Jesus comes to us today. So Mark says, as it is written in the prophet of Isaiah... So he's quoting Isaiah. Mark is assuming by just giving you this one verse that you will know what he's talking about. He assumes that you will know the whole entire story, which we often don't as Westerners because we don't have such a strong handle on the scriptures. So when he quotes this one verse here, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He's assuming you're going to know the whole entire background and story. So we're going to go back to Isaiah and we're going to look at the story. We're going to look at the background because I didn't know it all. I often came to Isaiah 40. I love reading it because it's beautiful. It's beautiful to hear about a God who wants to bring me comfort and speak tenderly to me in a day when a lot of people don't speak tenderly to one another, and they don't care if you feel any comfort. And so I've loved the passage, but studying it more, uh, it made it like, oh, this is what it's saying. So I'm going to read. So it starts here. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. And then go down to verse three, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord, that means then God's presence will be revealed. Then God will be revealed. So what is happening here? What is going on? So the people of God, the Israelites, are not in their home. They're in a different land. So imagine yourself, you're not here. You're somewhere. You're kind of like a refugee. You're where you don't belong. They were in Babylon. And in that time, if you were removed from your country and you go to another country, it was kind of just expected that you'd pick up that religion. It was just kind of like if you go to... Let's say we all go to some other place and now we're Hindu, or now we're Muslims, or now we're, and God is saying to them, No, I am your God. I am still your God, and I am coming to you. I am coming to you from the wilderness. It's a theme of how God comes to us. We like God to come to us in a different way, but God says, I usually come to you from the wilderness. So God is saying to his people, I'm coming to you from Arabia. I am coming to you from the desert, and I'm going to make a highway. So God's making a highway. There's this imagery. Can you, can you see it in your head? God says, I'm making a highway through the desert. That is not the easiest place to make a highway. And he says, where there are valleys, I will raise it up. Where there are rough places, I will make it smooth. Where there are mountains, I will lower them. He's saying, I am coming to you. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard it is, I am making a highway, and I am coming back to my people. this is what he's saying here. And when I come, what I bring is comfort. I will come to you, and I am bringing comfort, comfort, and I will speak tenderly to you, and I will forgive you. I'm not sure why he says two times. I think he wants them to know you are completely forgiven. It's, we're fine. It's, we're fine. You know, have you ever said, we're fine again? It's okay. We're completely fine. I forgive you, and what I'm bringing to you is comfort, and I am bringing my presence. So when you go to Mark, Mark expects you to understand that God is coming to you again. And where the places are rough, and where there are valleys in your life, and where there are mountains, and out of the wilderness, again, God is saying, I'm coming to you. And this time, God is coming to you in a baby. This time, God is coming to you in Jesus. Last time, God came to you as God in Isaiah, and this time, he's coming to you in a baby, but also out of the wilderness, out of the chaos. What's interesting is God makes the highway to us. God builds this highway. God creates the highway. But in both of them, it says prepare. So even though God makes the highway, God makes the rough places smooth, we still have to do something. There's still something we need to do to prepare for God. Whether it's as simple as saying, yes, I'm here there's something that has to be done in us, in our lives, so that when God makes that highway to us, um, we can receive it. It could, be, it could be like the Israelites, and we need to confess. It could be we need to say, I'm sorry. We need to make a confession. There's a prayer, a line from a prayer, help me find my confession. Help me find my confession, because sometimes I think we don't know what we need to confess. Because we're just so busy living life, we don't, even, we don't even know. We haven't stopped. I think it's important, though, to talk about confession because it's not like morbid self-reflection. It's not like smacking yourself and telling yourself oh, what a terrible human being you are. It's listening to God, the Holy Spirit, who is gentle and kind. And when God points things out to me in my life that need confessing, I feel better. I feel free, I feel whole, I don't feel, I don't feel a thumb, like some people talk about the feeling of this thumb. So when you're asking God, show me, if you feel this, like, I'm such an idiot. Of course I did that again. It's not, it's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. So God help us to listen and find our confession. As I was thinking about asking myself, like, what, God's bringing this highway to me. Jesus is wanting to come to me. How how do I need to prepare? I I just thought of cynicism. I just thought of myself and our culture. I think we're very cynical and skeptical. And when we are cynical, we cannot hear God. When we are cynical, I think our culture lends towards it, and almost like like it's okay to be cynical. Like, well, we're all cynical. But cynicism is despair. Cynicism, cynicism, I can do this, is numbness or it's numbing. When I'm cynical, my heart is hard. And if I'm like, this will never get better, this will never change. When our hearts are cynical towards our government, towards our families, towards our friends, then I cannot believe the best about other people. If I'm busy being cynical, I'm not in a place to believe what is best for you or, or about you. And it's a hardened, like when my heart is cynical, it's I'm hard. And I was remembering the wisdom series we just did and wisdom is a soft heart. So we might kind of like, be fine with our cynicism, but we're not being wise as a culture when we're cynical. Cynicism is anger. It's divisive. Like, you see in our culture when we're cynical, we're divisive. We're not, we can't move towards anybody. We're bitter. We need, I believe that I need to, we need to, when I see it, I need to lay down my cynicism and confess. Like, God, help me not to be cynicism. I... Was reading this quote this week, um, and I'm going to read it to you. And it's kind of it's kind of poignant. Enduring divine in this book, in his book, enduring divine absence. The philosopher this is this is for you. The philosopher Joseph Minnick discusses how skepticism grows amid wealth, comfort, and privilege. The rejection of belief in God. Is most often, he says, a white, well-to-do phenomenon. Ouch. the The, the book went to talk about like in the, in most countries and people of color, you don't you don't find as much cynicism, and um, you don't that it. That it comes with being a person of privilege, thinking that I can do this on my own. There was a qu- quote. Let's see if I can remember it. When when white middle class Americans were asked if they needed heaven, and they're like, "No, my life's fine, thank you." Like, why would I need anything more than this? I think I'm doing all right. That's so ugly. Ouch. And and I think sometimes when I look at things politically, I can I can feel a little bit cynical. And I was thinking or or the church like i can look at the church at large and i can feel rather cynical and so but that makes me angry that makes me hard that makes me not to believe the best about other people and so i ask you today i share mine but where where is god's building this highway towards you god's making rough places smooth where maybe god's asking you to prepare your heart to prepare yourself for this coming This coming of this, um, well, it's not a baby because the baby's here, but Jesus to come again. Let's move on and look at John because he's kind of fun to look at. John the baptizer appears in the wilderness. So we're back to the wilderness again because there's something about God coming to us in the unlikely. He comes to us in the poor. He comes to us in the baby. He does it all the time. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside, they come out to him. And he's clothed. Have you ever thought, like, have you ever thought about, he was clothed, you've heard this before, he was clothed with camel's hair, and he was clothed with, and he ate locusts and honey. And I found out, like, when I was studying, because Jamie's like, what? You You just hear it a lot, and you think, oh my gosh, that's so eccentric. Actually, it was very common garb for poor people. Like it wasn't uncommon for someone to dress that way. It was just a common way. But when Mark tells us that, there's a couple things that he wants us to see. Mark wants us to know that he is he's poor. Once again, Jesus comes from the unexpected. He comes from the poor. And the second thing, probably the main thing that Mark is wanting us to see and to show us is that he's a legit prophet. So Elijah was the last person in the Bible who was described to be dressed like this. He was the prophet in the Old Testament. And so at this time, people from like the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's like 400 years of silence, like where they didn't hear from God. When I hear that, I think that sounds terrible. I was like, I would have hated to live during that time. 400 years of silence. And they had to believe there hadn't been a prophet since then. And Mark wants to say, this is it. This is a prophet. You will know him because he is dressed like Elijah was. So that's actually why he's saying this here. He's like, this is a prophet. He's legit. I want you to see this. And he's pointing again that he's a true, true prophet. So maybe not as exciting as this crazy man out there in the wilderness dressed all unique as like, this is how people dressed. But there was a reason he put it in there. And this is what he says. The one, this is what John says in verse 7. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. And I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. What I find amazing about John the Baptist is how humble he is. So just imagine a modern-day person, and you start preaching, and thousands of people come, and thousands and thousands of people come. And I think it's pretty easy to forget what you were about. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, look at me. Like all these people. John never forgets that it's about Jesus. He continually keeps pointing the way back to Jesus instead of being like, I think when things go, I think we start sometimes, all of us start our lives looking at Jesus. Remembering Jesus, saying, this is about Jesus. Whatever your calling is, like, God has placed me here. This is all about God. And then as we become secure, we become successful, we become famous or whatever, we become secure, we forget. And John never forgot that I am here to point the way to Jesus. And I see him as very humble. He continued to point to Jesus. In the end here, he says, I have baptized you with water. This is the last verse. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's the comfort. Back to the Isaiah passage. It starts with comfort, comfort. Speak tenderly to my people. And here we are again. Mark says, God will come to you in the Holy Spirit, and he is the comforter. There's the parallel there. When I was thinking about this passage, as I was kind of coming towards the end, and I was thinking about the comforter and about peace, peace is just a nice idea. It's just a conceptual head idea until you can feel it here. Do you sometimes feel like I don't feel peace? It's out here. It's just an idea. I would say like a lot of things, love, joy. They're just ideas until you can actually feel it right here. And I know when I can feel it right here. I, I want to feel peace all the time, but I, I don't. I don't feel it all the time. And I don't think that we're supposed to actually feel it on some level all the time. My, but as I was thinking about peace, my life does not have to be controlled My life does not have to be in order. My life does not have to be, your life does not have to be stress-free, without worry, anger, fear, to experience peace, to experience this God coming to you. Everything doesn't have to be perfect in order for you to feel and me to feel peace. If I need everything to be just so to find peace, If you need everything to be just so to find peace, you won't find it till you're dead. Quite a while ago, I said to my spiritual director, after a time of like, life was just easy. Do you ever have those periods where life was just so easy? Just in that moment, it was a while ago, my kids were younger. They listened to me better. Like, they did what I wanted. I mean, life was just kind of easy. And I said, I really like this to my spiritual director. Why can't life always be like this? And she said, I think what you want to be is dead. (laughs) And I never forgot it. And I was like, I think you might be right. I mean, no. But that's mean. Think of that. She's like, I think what you want to be is dead. That's not life, Heidi. I have been learning from Jesus, and I'm learning how to have peace in this chaotic life. It takes practice. Peace takes practice. It is a practice. And you don't have it, and then you have it forever. Right? You don't have peace, and then you have it forever. It comes, and it goes, and it slips away. But we are called to be people of peace. We're called to it. We're asked to it. And we serve the prince of peace. Jesus is called. That means he's head of the peace. I don't know why if he is the Prince of Peace, that we don't feel peace all the time. I don't, I don't know why you won't feel peace all the time. I'd like to. But I do know that when I do feel peace, um, it feels like a gift from God. And I can actually feel it in my body. Like, you can feel it here. I also know that I experience more peace in the midst of hard times. And I also know that I experience peace a lot of times after I've grieved something. When you've cried or you've just cried out to God or you've lamented at God, you've told, like, I will experience peace. I want you to think about how you experience peace of God, the peace of God that highway coming to you. Because God says, I will come to you on that highway. I came to the Israelites through the desert, and I'm still coming to you. And the places that are dips and lows, I will make it straight. And the places that are rough, and the places that are mountains, I will come to you. I can tell you how I find peace, but it could not be yours at all. I find peace under a tree, watching the birds. I ro- I spend I I find peace when I am with my sister. Maybe you have a certain human that, like, when you're with them, you you feel more peaceful after having been with them. Poetry. I feel so much more peace after I speak with my spiritual director. Um, I can come in to my times with her wound up, like just wound up, and I kind of just let myself tell her, uh, you have somebody you can tell everything, and when I leave, I feel like I've sat with God and that I'm okay, I'm going to be okay, and that the Holy Spirit is with me again. I think um, that we're all called to be people of peace, and I think that It'll come to you also from the wilderness and the chaos of your life, if you'll let it. I have a question up here that I would like you, let's see if they can go to it. And I want to give you time to actually think about it instead of just hopping up and going. So the first question is, what is taking up your attention right now, stealing your peace, or causing you anxiety, this Advent season? I'm going to give you a minute. Maybe write it down. What is taking up your attention? Stealing your peace or causing you anxiety. And I'm going to be quiet for a moment. So if you haven't been with us before, sometimes we ask questions, and then we actually give you a little bit of time to think about. All right, here's the next question, and I think this one takes a little bit longer. Something might have just popped in your mind quickly. This one takes a little more. So here's the second question. How do you experience God's peace? Do you find peace in nature? In the presence of another? In quietness and stillness? In a feeling in your chest? in the words of comfort, and maybe something different. All right, I'm going to ask you to share that with maybe the person sitting beside you. How you experience, you can just share one. Share one, one way you experience peace, God's peace. All right. I know some of you didn't have a. Some of you were sitting by, so maybe you could share it with somebody. You could share it with me. I'd love. I'd love to hear if you didn't have somebody to share with. How you experience God's peace or a friend. Uh, let's let's close and let's close in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. God may each person here this week experience your peace, how you come to them. It amazes me that we are all so different and that you see us and you are so kind and you are so gracious to come to us as how is best for how you created us. I pray that each person here would carry your peace, that the mystery of you, how you come to us, would come to each person here this week. I pray that we would prepare ourselves for you, that we would meet you on the highway that we would meet you on the highway. Thank you for this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's let's sing. You have to help me. <laughs> you want to stand? Let's stand. Seems appropriate. Doesn't it? Seems appropriate. Who wants to start us? Perfect